Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Inside, we pray God for revelation. We ask that God of glory unfold to all the truths of life that we may walk therein and have our peace as you so ordained because you are the Prince of Peace. We bless and exalt you, Father. Cause my hearers to receive insight and grant me utterance, Father of glory, that your people may be edified. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, we'll continue with our study on. The power of forgiveness. This past three. And I want you to please be very attentive in that which we are about to share and that which we are sharing. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, again, verse number 12, which is our text, we continue with that. The power of forgiveness. Now forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Amen? That is the major text we are examining. Those of us maybe for the first time listening to this, you need to go back to the previous series and then you can follow up what the Lord has been sharing with us. Now, I would like us to read Mark chapter 11 verse 24. The book of Mark chapter 11 verse 24. Mark 11 24. And this is what it says. Therefore I say unto you, what things forever ye desire when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Amen? Now look at the next verse. 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. Now, I want you to go back again and look at something here, which is very powerful. Verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what thing soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand to pray, that means forgiveness is connected to prayers. That means one of the things that makes your prayers never to be answered is the spirit of what? Of forgiveness. When he said when you stand to pray, this was a common position between they were praying. Remember I talked about two men that were standing and praying, one of them bowed and he said, the other one, you know, it's a common position. So when the Bible said, when you stand to pray, hallelujah. In other words, you are going to get your heart desires, you want something from God, and before you ask him for that, the moment you are about asking him for that, forgive. If anybody have wronged you. To start with, one of the best ways by which I know we've been taught to go on with prayers is to confess our sins. Am I right? Good. Confess our sins before we pray or sometimes we want to pray. We start confessing sins. There's nothing wrong with that. But God's word says, this is how you begin your prayer. <laughs> how do you begin your prayer? Forgiveness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Are you following what I'm talking about? You see the cross? The cross is two pieces. You have the vertical, I mean, the vertical and the horizontal. Is that okay? Right. Jesus, what are the center? What that speaks to us is, is bridging heaven and earth, and is bridging men to men. 
The vertical pole stands for you reaching out to heaven next, which could be your prayer. The horizontal theme speaks of your fellow brothers, how you connect. So Jesus connect men to God and connect men to men. Scripture says, how can you say you love God and you don't love the man that you see? So now you say you want to pray, you're going to get your heart desires, we have no problem about that, but before you start to pray, forgive. Now we can see why so many of our prayers are not being answered. Not because of sin, but because of the spirit of what? Of forgiveness. As a program, I'm going to make you understand because you see, there is a depth of, of hatred that can ensue in your heart that results in the spirit of bitterness that makes it difficult for you to even assess the throne of grace. That's what you must watch out for. So here he says, and when you stand praying, do what? Forgive. If you have odds against any. <laughs> uh, let me read this from the message translation. This is what it says. Message translation. When you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then with your heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sins. Only then. Only then. So, it is not you addressing your sin first. It is you first forgiving the man that sinned against you. Let God cleanse your sin. So, if you want to talk about cleaning up your sin, how do you do that? You forgive your neighbor. And God takes care of your own. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on, are you with me? I want you to see how important this subject is when it comes to the issue of forgiveness. It's something that you must learn to practice. It's something that you must learn to do. It's something you must ask God grace for to practice every day of your life. It's a key to overcoming so many issues and having your prayers answered. The major key. Praise the living God. You follow me? You want to pray. <laughs> if you have anything against, I want you to understand that. If you have anything against anybody, by implication, somebody has offended you, so your heart is not right with that individual. God said, before you ever ask me for anything you want, do what? Forgive that person. It's not even asking the person to come and beg you first. It didn't say so. The responsibility is on your side, not on the person that maybe have wronged you. Are you following me? Hallelujah. So, what is the approach, for instance, if we must practice forgiveness. Let's begin to look at something from the book of Matthew, King James. Let's look at Matthew 18. How do we approach this subject? How do you approach this, this principle of life for God to begin to answer our prayers as quickly as possible? How do we approach it? Matthew 18, reading from 15. Praise the Lord. Moreover, if your brother sin, I just see the word sin instead of trespass there. If your brother sin against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he shall hear you, then thou join or win thy brother or gain thy brother. The word gain there simply means you reconcile yourselves. You find that you want to pray. Forgive. Okay now, if you don't just want to do it in secret as it were, 
Go to your brother who has offended you. And let him know, my brother, you did offend me. Amen? Explain and let him know. In other words, don't keep offenses in your heart. Don't keep grudges in your spirit. It will destroy you. It will destroy your relationship with God. It will, it will hinder your prayers from being answered. Don't forget, whatever you desire, ask or pray, and God will give it to you. But when you assume the position of prayer, first of all, do what? Forgive. So here we find a principle. What do you do? Go to your brother. And talk to him. Hey, there you offended me. Talk to your brother. Talk to your wife. Talk to your children. Whoever, at any point in time, don't keep anything in your spirit. You don't need it. Because it's your own problem. The person may not even have known whether it was intentional or unintentional. Whatever way it is. The key point is this. Make your way right with God. Through the principle of forgiveness, which I see the principle of reconciliation. Praise the living God. Are you following me? Verse 16. But if your brother, verse 16, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that the amount of two or three witnesses, every word may be what? Established. If he will not listen to you, and you say, my brother, you offended me. In other words, you are seeking for reconciliation. Amen? You are looking for reconciliation. You want peace. And so scripture says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The children of God. You want peace. And so, if he will not listen to you, take two people with you. And go to the brother again and say, hey, my brother, listen. You offended this man. What is it? Let's reconcile this matter. Are you done with me? I mean, I want to see, I want you to see the effort that God said you should put in just to get reconciliation. You went yourself, the person will listen. You take two with you. Maybe the person just listen. Let's go down again and read on. Verse 17. And if he shall neglect to hear thee, tell it to all the, unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an healthy man as what? A publican. I want you to see the efforts. Privately, you go to the brother or sister, husband or wife, and say, man, this is my problem. What you did yesterday, I didn't quite like it. You discuss that, and the person will listen. But you want peace, because that's who you are. You are a peacemaker. You get one or two persons and say, follow me. This is my brother. He, so he offended me, and I want us to reconcile. And the person refused. Go to the elders of the church. And talk to the church and say, well, this is my sister, this is my brother, this is my husband. Whatever the case may be, offended me, and I'm trying to reconcile, but it's not listening. Let the church elders call the person and say, brother, what is the issue? This matter can be resolved. Are you following what I'm talking about? Okay. And the brother said, he won't listen to what the church is saying. What is the church saying? The, the Bible is saying, it's, you can let this man be treated as an unbeliever. I've always asked this question, who is an unbeliever? An unbeliever is not the man in the street. An unbeliever is the man who will not respond to what God says. Are you there with me? The man in the street is dead in sin and trespasses. Ephesians 2 verse number 1 and 2. And dead people don't respond to stimuli. So they can't respond to the word of God. So the unbeliever is the man who will not follow what God says. The simple instruction of the scripture. That is a true unbeliever. So treat him as an unbeliever. Now what happens if you have to treat him as an unbeliever? Look at the next thing. Verse 18. Verse 18. Very quickly. Very simple to you. Whatever you shall bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you shall lose on earth shall be losing in heaven. Next verse. Very quickly so I can explain this. Again, I say unto you that if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which what? Which is heaven. Verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in the name, there am I in the midst of them. Do you know what the Bible is saying here? What it's saying is this. If you, I, I, I know we use this to teach prayers, 
prayers of agreement. But essentially what the Lord is saying here is this. If the brother in the fellowship becomes so reconsistent to the decision of the church, you people should excommunicate that brother. And God approves his excommunication. That's why they treat him as an unbeliever. In other words, the voice of the church is the approval of God's mind in heaven. So, the decision of the church should be binding on those fellowshipping in the church. And if they refuse, or the person refuses what the church is saying, God is saying, send the person away. As long as meet your brother, you refuse. Take two along with you, refuse. Talk to the church, refuse. This man is not ready for peace. Treat him as what? It's an unbeliever. Let the church agree and say, brother, you better leave us alone. And when that is done, the Bible says, God approves it. That's why it says, where two or three are gathered together. In other words, two or three mess up the church. So when two or three are gathered together, in my name, I'm there in their midst. In other words, I give authority to where two or three are gathered together, in my name, to execute judgment against that brother who will not listen to what God says. Are you following me? So some of us put ourselves in a big problem. Now, the point is this. If this church excommunicates you, it means you lose your protection in the sight of God. The way the church treats you, that's the way God is going to treat you. In this instance. Because you are a troublemaker, you are not prepared for peace, you are not prepared for reconciliation, you can't be called a child of God, because blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The children of God. You follow me? Hallelujah. Okay. Somebody said, well, sometimes pastor you don't understand. This man continues to repeat the same thing over and over and over again. And every day he or she tells me, I'm sorry. Why do you think I can forgive a person like that? So the question is, how many times are you supposed to forgive? Matthew 18 again. Verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I'll forgive him? Seven times? How often? How many times? Because this brother, no, 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 you don't understand, Pastor. If you know who the brother is, you won't be saying what they are saying. Every day, this brother offends me, and I forgive him. This time, no, 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 no. Let everybody stay on his own. Some of us have said that sometime, I believe. Huh? No, this time, no, 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 no. Let everybody stay on his own. You know, I told you what happened to me early last year. On the middle of last year, with a very close friend of mine. I, 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 I told my wife, no, 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 I don't want to have anything to do with this guy anymore. I'm done with him. His own is too much. I'm done with him. Let everybody stay on his own. But man, I had no peace in my heart. And the Lord began to speak to me. Call him. And, I mean, I got to the point that I deleted his number from my phone because I really don't want to have any contact with him. But God said, call him. I have to look for his number again. I gave him a call. And he told me, hey man, what you've done is so great. I don't deserve it. I'm so happy. You see, himself was troubled. If you are truly a child of God and you break relationship with anybody, you can't be at peace. You can't be at peace. If the person actually was supposed to be your friend, your husband, your wife, or whatever, you can't be at peace. Praise the living God. So, how often Peter asks the question? Jesus said unto him, Let's look at the first answer. Verse 22. Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, until seven times, but until seven times seven. What's that? Seventy times seven. No, what again? Seven times. Seventy times seven. How are you going to do that? Hallelujah. 
what the Lord is trying to say. Don't even attempt not to forgive. Just, just continue to forgive. There's no point because you can't even measure it up. In one day, even if it is seven times in one day, that will have been an issue. Not to talk of 70 times seven. What is that in mathematical calculation? About 490 times, am I right? How do you look at that? 490 times in one day. You forgive one man. I mean, it, it turns out again that it's not the man offending you, but something is also wrong with you. Because how can somebody offend you for that number of times in one day? Only you. You need to check yourself. So I think Jesus is also saying this. Something could be wrong with you, but you don't know. You are the one creating the offense. It is the way you measure this thing that makes it an offense. You follow what I'm talking about? We have people who only look for issues in every situation. And they call it offense. And that is because you can be Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Everything somebody else does is wrong. Yes. And if that is the case, start counting your 490 times before evening time. Hallelujah. So the problem could be you and not the man that you think is offending you. Because sometimes what you think is offense is not actually an offense. Amen? Let's read it from the message translation. I think I like it. From verse 21 again, message translation, Matthew 18. How many times will your brother offend you and you forgive? At that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who holds me? Seven? The next verse. Jesus replied, Seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. Try that one. <laughs> I like the way, I like the way to put it. Seven? No, 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 no. Try 70 times seven. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, what did Jesus say here? Peter says seven. He says seven. Seven? No, no, no. Try 70 times seven. Praise the living God. I want you to get this. Now I'm going to give you something very significant about this. Why do you think Jesus said 490 times? Told me to the book of Daniel chapter 9 verse 24. Daniel 9 24. Are you there with me? Very good. Seventy weeks are determined upon that people and upon their holy city to finish transgression and to make an end of sin and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint what? The most holy place. Praise the living God. So 490 times is a period determined by God to establish everlasting righteousness on the earth. Which is actually the full principle of reconciliation and the year of Jubilee. Are you getting that? So in the true sense, Jesus was saying, Peter, you and your people as human beings have always offended me. But I'm going to forgive you 490 times when I go to the cross. Hallelujah. Hey, are you following what I'm talking about? How many times? Jesus said 490 times. But he was speaking of something very prophetic about himself and that which he intends to do. Praise the Lord. You following me? And if you check the Bible, we find this principle running through. For instance, we do know that from Abraham to the Exodus for 490 years, from Exodus to dedication of the temple for 490 years, from the temple to Nehemiah's return was 490 years. We have three set of 490 years in the Bible. It's a cycle by which God brings reconciliation to people. So in your lifetime, you can come into this cycle of continuous reconciliation with people to always establish the peace that God has ordained on the face of the earth. Can I hear an amen? You following me? Praise the Lord. Now let me 
show you something now which is very powerful in relation to verse 17 that we just read in Matthew 18. Turn with me to Leviticus 19. This is how you go about it and it's very important. Leviticus 19 verse 17. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy brother and not suffer him sin upon him. Now, take it from the message so that I make it simpler for us. Message translation. Don't secretly hate your neighbor. Can you help me say the same thing to your neighbor just sitting by you? Thank you. Don't secretly hate your neighbor. You know, you, 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 sometimes you could just be talking and you could, we could come to fellowship, you're just shaking hands and all that. But in your heart. So forgiveness starts from the heart. Hallelujah. Don't secretly do what? Hate your neighbor. If you have something against him, Mark 11 now, get out into the open. Otherwise, you are an accomplice in his guilt. If you have something against your brother, speak out. Don't secretly hate your neighbor. I don't like what our sister is doing. But I don't have time to talk to me, talk to her. I'm just on my own. Everybody should be on his or her own. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hate her. I don't hate her. I know, I know, I don't hate her. No, 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 no. You do. If there is anything that is wrong, it may be open. Say it, discuss it, and it's going to end there. Praise the living God. Don't secretly hate your neighbor. It's so powerful. Otherwise, you're also going to partake of her guilt, the offenses you feel he has committed, which is standing as a block for him against God, you also going to partake of that. Don't forget the principle. When you forgive, God forgives you your sins, right? Praise the Lord. Are we together? Look at verse 18. I like this. Verse 18. Don't seek revenge or carry a grudge against any of your people. Don't seek revenge or carry a grudge against your people. Don't do it. You, you, you want to pay back <laughs> what I've have done to me. I'm preparing myself. You don't need to prepare yourself. Hallelujah. Don't seek revenge. Or carry a grudge against any of your people. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I am God. Are you with me? Now, I want you to follow it. Don't secretly hate your wife or your husband or your children. Don't secretly in your heart. Don't carry any grudge. Or don't even try to say you want to revenge against anybody. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. For I am God. You follow me? Listen, I'm giving you simple principles that can set you completely free. And make your answers to come without struggling to get answers to your prayers. Is there anything you desire? Believe that you receive and you shall receive. But when you stand to pray and you remember somebody has all against you, forgive. Are you done with me? So even if you want to pray and in your heart you know that there is something against somebody that he has done to you, make amends. Don't secretly hate your brother in your heart. Praise the living God. Am I making sense to you? I want you to live in freedom. I want you to live in liberty. 
I want your prayers to be answered. I want you to come to the place of having power. That when you pray, your power will flow. Your answer will come speedily without delay. He has given us all things, the Lord says. Hallelujah. You follow what I'm talking about? So, don't allow somebody's attitude to block your flow of power. To block the flow of answers to your prayer. Don't allow that. Don't allow somebody to guide your life. Don't allow somebody to dictate your success in life. Your walk with God. Don't allow that. Settle it. Let it be. Don't revenge anybody. God said vengeance is mine. Don't pay back. Don't square with anybody. Forgive. And get results for what you want from God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Remember how we said, don't hate. Okay, turn with me to Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 14. King James. Hallelujah. Leviticus, I mean, sorry. Deuteronomy 7 verse 14. Deuteronomy 7 verse 14. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. Can I hear an amen? There shall not be male or female barren among you. Can I hear an amen? Or among your cattle. That means your businesses are meant to prosper. Your cattle was supposed to be the business of the people. So, whatever business you are doing today, represented by your cattle. Is that okay? No barrenness among your cattle. Not open to verse 15. This is the issue. And the Lord will take away from thee all sicknesses. Can I hear another amen? Yeah. He will take away. No, 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 no. I like this scripture and I do enjoy it. God said, He will take away. He is the one doing the taking away. So. <laughs> Glory to God. He will take away what kind of sickness? All sicknesses. He will take away from you all sicknesses. Mm. I will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt without knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that the world hate you. This is the issue. God is going to prosper you. God is going to make all things fall in place for you. God is going to cause your business to prosper. God will make sure you are not barren. God, 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 God. Everything, all the promises, sicknesses, diseases that you know, He will take away from you. And He will put it upon those that hate you. But now Leviticus 17 says, Thou shalt not hate your brother in your heart. So what happened? When God takes the sicknesses from those that hate you, and you hate somebody, it means He takes from the person you hate and put it back on you. Is anybody following me? No, this is very simple. Does anybody hate you? Okay, don't worry. I'm going to take the sickness and put it up on that person. And when God comes with the sickness and He says, Wait a minute, you hate somebody. Okay, I'm taking from this one and put it upon you because you are the one that hates that person. You get that? This is why we go through some of the problems we are going through. The simple word is what? Hatred. It's a very delicate thing. I'm going to still examine it in the next study. It's a delicate thing. You don't even know when you hate people. Sometimes you don't even know. And I'm saying... The spirit of hatred attracts sicknesses, attracts diseases. So sometimes we go into prayer, we keep on praying and we are not getting results. We are not getting healed. We are not getting set free. What is the issue? I don't mean buying, that's a long one, but it fits in. 2010, I was in Italy. I was preaching like this. 
And there was a lady in the congregation. The next thing I find out, she was crying. I don't know what was going on. But I just find out she was crying. So it's like I was talking to her, but I didn't know. After the service, she called me and said, Pastor, you were addressing me. I said, how do you mean? He said, the point is this. A prophet told me that my mother is responsible for my not being able to get married at my age. And that the only way for my husband to show is for my mother to die. Then I said, so what was the next thing you wanted to do? He said, well, I have the mind, to be honest, to go to Nigeria, because she's from Nigeria, to go to Nigeria and make sure my mother dies because I need to live my life. So, but as you were talking, I just realized that I was in error. That our prophecy is not true. But I need prayers and I need forgiveness. I said, you don't need anything. Forgive your mother now because of the hatred in your heart. You already have hatred in your heart. And let's see what happened. And I prayed with her. Three months down the line, I got a phone call in Lagos. He said, do you know where it's calling? I said, no. He said, it's me. Don't want to call your name. I said, what's the problem? <laughs> he said, you have to come to Lagos. So you come to Lagos. So I said, what for? I'm getting married. You getting married? Three months after I left Italy? So yes. Is your mother dead? He said, no. They already had a bouncy baby boys of the next year. Hatred can stop so many things from happening in your life. The mother is still alive. The mother signed the grandchild. The mother that was a witch finally saw the grandchild. Praise the Lord. Listen, this scripture is so powerful and I want you to take good note of it. If you can't get anything today, get this one alone. I will, I will take, take all sicknesses, all diseases that you know about, that you may have been experiencing, and I will put them upon those that hate you. Therefore, you can afford to hate anybody. Because if you do, then those people you hate, everything they are suffering, be putting on your head. So you attract diseases, you attract sicknesses, you attract poverty. Remember when the first time I'll bless your cattle, you are over all men, you understand that I will bring all these upon you. Why? Because you hate somebody. You can't afford to hate people. Live a free life. Let the people hate, but don't be part of the hatred. Are you following what I'm talking about? Let them hate you the best they can. But always pray one prayer. Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Say, Pastor, that's why hard one. Yes, that is why the Lord prayed it. So that you also will pray it, because he said they are set for us an example that we might follow. And we know that Stephen followed this example. I showed you the first time, right? Stephen was being stoned to death. They were killing him. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. Don't count this sin against their charges. Forgive them. We can do the same. We have the power to do the same. Can I hear an amen? Praise the Lord. Let's take a final scripture and then we are done. Galatians 6. What about if you see, what about my brother who is really sinning against me or somebody who is doing something I don't like? What do you suppose? What do you suggest? Okay, let's quickly look. Galatians chapter 6, message translation. Verse number one. Am I helping somebody today? I want you to live a joyful life. I want you to live a free life. I want you when you go to sleep, you enjoy fellowship with the saints of God. No, that's what I want you to do. Hey, I was in fellowship with a brother today. One very strong apostle. About Tesla, you know, and he came visiting me. And my wife said, Man, this apostle is with us. What are we going to do? I said, He needs wine. So we have to give wine to the man who brought the wine, but we have not opened the wine before I woke up. And that is sweetness, that is fellowship, that is marriage, that is joy. Hallelujah. How many you understand what I'm saying? Jesus told what I want to wine, which is joy, which is fellowship. And the Bible made us understand that the day the apostles began to speak in tongues, they thought they were drunk with wine. You remember that? 
Are you with me? You need to share fellowship with good people. When you sleep with your mind cleans, when you sleep not having hatred in your heart, when you sleep not thinking of somebody, what they have done to you, or something like that, you live a very good life, you enjoy your sleep. You wake up fresh with understanding and wisdom and revelation, knowing that the day is fully set and prepared. Amen? Okay, look at this. Galatians 6, that's number 1. Live creatively. I like that. So there's a life that is creative. There's a way you live a life that is very creative. You know, something that is creative, something that is, for me, innovative. It's not, it's not stagnant. It's not something that is like repeating itself. It's something that is progressive. It's something that is exciting. I mean, new things coming into place. Live a creative life. Hallelujah. Come on, are you with me? <laughs> like sisters, I don't think you say this, but it's good. You know, you can make your food creative. Huh? If you have yam, for instance, yam, eh? you can fry yam, you can boil yam, you can, you can roast yam. It's creative. You follow what I'm saying now? Not boil, 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 boil all the time. Huh? You understand that? Yeah, you boil and you get out You can be creative. It could be fried yam, it could be roasted yam. It's a yam, but it's creative. You can create your kitchen. You can do creativity in your kitchen. It brings in appetite. Live a creative life. In your price and be creative. Come on. Is anybody follow what I'm talking about? I want you to get this. It's nice. You want to make life sweet. You want to make life enjoyable. Oh my goodness. You gotta be creative. You need to have some creative smile too. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't make me. Life is easy. Life is sweet. Praise God. Live creatively. Friends, if someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Forgivingly restore him. Are you, you understand? Forgivingly restore him. The person I'm saying, yes. Against you, yes. Against anybody else, yes. Against the church, yes. But forgivingly restore him. That's the creativity. Are you getting that? Saving your critical comment for yourself. Just keep, keep all those things. No, no, no. We know he has seen. Yes. But keep those critical comments. All those judgmental statements. That man, that woman, that... No, no, no. Keep those things to yourself. Restore. That's the point. Keep those critical comments. Those analysis. <laughs> huh? Keep them to yourself. Are you there with me? I don't forget this scripture because in my early days with all my youthfulness in the ministry, firebrand, Something happened, and I was so critical about the pastor. Then I've not started pastoring. Now, this is what happened. The pastor's son was to travel to the U.S., I think for school or something, and he was a senior son in Ahoda. Ahoda. Now, the pastor's son, now, they live in a house with flowers, flowers like that. And this part of what we're talking about. And then, um, the pastor had a law, or he put a law in his house. Nobody should come to his compound as from 8. 7.38, gate closed. Nobody. You, even the children, don't move out. 7.38. This man had a gun. The pastor. So what happened was, unknown to this man, the son went out that evening to say goodbye to the girlfriend. And now he was coming back. The gate was locked. So he jumped through the flowers. And before he landed, the father fired at him and killed the boy. And the boy shouted, Daddy, it's me. But it was late. He died. I heard that. And I felt man. When I got the story, I said, Man, how can a pastor do that? It was horrible enough. And I wrote to my 
my man, my mentor then. And I said, look at what happened. I feel so bad. How can a pastor do this? And the man said, well, yes, what he did is bad. But, Galatians 6, verse 1. Mind your comments. I mean, right from that day, I learned a big lesson. What he did was really wrong. Absolutely. But he said, restore such people with the spirit of meekness. Maybe we'll look at it from Rick and James and we'll come back here. Look at our verse 1. Look at our verse 1 again. Brother, if a man be overtaking the fault, that man had a fault. Am I right? Good. You who are spiritual, you think you are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness. Considering thyself, let that also be what? Tempted. To go back to message. Did you get that? This is how God wants us to walk. The young man died. And the father was not, I'm very convinced the father was not happy the boy died. Was he happy? No. So, why, why do more? You know, in criticizing him. The man is already in sorrow. The man is already in pains. And I was trying to kill him again. Praise the Lord. You see what I'm saying? But that also tells us the issue of not carrying guns because you can't tell. <laughs> Accidental discharge can happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, verse 2. Stoop. Look at that. Verse 2. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their bodies. Can I hear an amen? And so complete Christ. Because Christ came to bear our bodies. Share their bodies. Stoop down. Go low enough. Forget your pride. Forget. You see, you know what he's trying to say here? Who is it that have offended you? Is he a small boy, a small girl, a young one? Come down low enough to reconcile. Don't feel too big. Amen? No matter who the person is, stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ. Praise the Lord. Verse 3. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. The Bible is saying it. If you think you are too good to come down to anybody's level to say I'm sorry or let's reconcile, you are terribly well deceived. You are living in deception. Pride has overswallowed you. If you can't walk towards reconciliation, you are living in pride. If you can't forgive people, you are living in pride. Are you still with me? And that called that deception. You are being deceived. So no matter how much your offenses, God intends you to do what? Calm down. Because you need one thing, reconciliation. You want peace with all men. Hallelujah. Verse 4. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with other people. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Hallelujah. So now, that nose around just be yourself. Just try to do this creative life we're talking about. Building relationship. Building harmony amongst people. Don't mind what others are thinking. Don't mind what others are saying. Don't even think they are calling you a fool for doing what you're doing. You are having a high place. Remember, scripture says, God will exalt the humble. Remember that? Those who humble themselves, the Bible says God will do what? Exalt them. Be creative in your life. By making sure there's reconciliation always in your heart with people, towards people, children, husband, wife, neighbor, fellow Christians. Make sure there's reconciliation in your heart. No hatred. Don't compare yourself. Don't feel you are too big. Don't feel you are too high. Don't feel, oh no, come on. 
Don't you know I'm the father? Don't you know I'm the mother? No, don't ever think about that. And for little girls, don't worry about my age. Look at the way my mom is treating me, my age. Calm down. How old are you? Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm talking about? Calm down. You are living in deception. When you begin to think about your age, how old are you? The age you just now, the person you are talking to have passed through that age before. So what is special about your age now? Huh? I said they were treating me, even just for my age. How old are you? You haven't seen anything in life. Praise the living God. Is anybody following what I'm talking about here? I see some of these young people sometimes here and they hope they see the way you're still because I'm still in this house. Oh, beautiful. Since you are still in this house, you've got to be cool or walk out. See the way it's treating me because I'm still in this house. Look at my age because I'm still. So, what are you doing here? Go out there. If you don't want people to treat you anywhere, get out of this system. But as long as you are in that place, forget your age. Come on, is anybody following what I'm talking about? Oh yes. See, it will be it will be wrong for somebody to be paying your bills and yet you want to dictate the person paying your bills. Who hmm? can you imagine your mother or your father paying rent for you and you're still trying to prove that you are somebody? No. How can that be? Somebody's paying your bills. He's giving you food. Paying your house rent, paying the light bills. You are enjoying. And you still want to prove that you're a man? No, 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 no. If you don't want to take orders, walk out into the street. Go get an accommodation for yourself. Pay your bills to prove that you're a man. Pay your rent to prove that you're a man. Eh? Help a baby to feed your baby to prove that you're a man. Don't prove that in your father's house. Am I talking to somebody? Come down. Hallelujah. As long as you are under the roof of somebody, don't count your age. You are a baby. And every baby must be controlled. Whether you are a boy or a girl, as long as you are under the roof of somebody, you are a baby. Huh? You are under the law. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. You follow what I'm talking about? I remember I was talking to somebody, and I was referring to the children. He was asking, how about the kids? And he said, don't call them kids, call them children. I said, what's the difference? <laughs> These people are under your roof. They are kids. Are you getting what I'm talking about? They haven't even gone home yet to anybody. They have not married. They, have not. they are kids. Even if they are married, they are still kids. Praise God. No matter I like this Bible. I love this scripture. If we can follow what scripture says, man, we live in harmony with ourselves. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, what are those guys talking over there? <laughs> Glory to God. Okay. No, but I'm seeing mature people. I know. Yeah. John, no problem here. Mature man. Is that okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on, friends. Is it good? Can we forgive ourselves? Can we live in peace with people?